The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming my dear friend, Bridget Perry. Bridget was diagnosed in 2013 with stage 4 ovarian carcinoma. She's been a lifelong learner of spiritual teachings, prompted by the sudden death of her brother and the loss of two close friends, all before the age of 20. Over the years, cancer took the lives of several more friends and loved ones. I'm pretty sure my wife is in that number. With each loss, she experienced a deepened awareness of grief and the uncanny beauty beauty of witnessing death. Now her own life has been pulled into the vortex of cancer. Out of the entanglement of grief and loss have come incredible gifts of self-acceptance, self-awareness, profound relationships, and an increasing willingness to experience life as it unfolds. Today, Bridget lives in upstate New York, sharing with her wife a commitment to living from the heart. As a personal coach, Bridget offers guidance through life's transitions, challenges, and transformations. And you can learn more and read her blog at BridgetPerry.com. I'm so excited, Bridget. Hi, Cheryl. Hi. I'm I'm so glad I had the inspiration to ask you to come talk on Good Grief, because I, I don't know... I feel as if you're so uh, in the stream of transformation. Is that how it feels to you? Oh, yeah. I'm like in one of those uh, level five river rafts, you know? Oh, wow. I've never done five. Have you? (laughs) (laughs) No. no, I've done a four, but five is, yeah, you have to get out of the boat now and then, huh? Or you're tossed (laughs) out of it now and then. You know, I, I, you, as you, as you said in your biography, and as I know about you, you've done many, many amazing things in your life before, uh, before cancer. And I thought it would be good for the the listeners just to hear a little bit about, you know, the things you've done in your life that have come out of the seeking that you've that you've been intent on. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, my my life path seems to have been uh, focused a lot around working with people, helping uh, to be an advocate for people, uh, and especially around individuals with disabilities. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I especially found that part of my life in the early days in in Berkeley. 
uh, right in the heart of the disability rights movement. Really proud to say I was even on the edge of that, um, playing the role of uh, some. I was in a personal attendant, and uh, later I actually ended up as uh, I can, I'm proud to say that I was a wheelchair mechanic. And not only that, but I was one of the only women wheelchair mechanics around. So <laughs> I feel like that that gave me sort of a, a unique uh, uh, perspective in, in the community. And um, following that, I, you know, learned a lot about uh, how people uh, could have their wheelchairs customized so they can use it independently in all the various ways possible. And that brought me into the world of assistive technology uh, for um, using computers. And so I got involved in computer-based assistive technology and in augmentative communication and other parts of that field. And it just kind of kept blossoming from there. So I've been really... uh, Really blessed to have a pretty um, interesting um, participation in a really awesome community that way. You know, I was thinking uh, as I was just um, holding you in my mind this week, knowing we were going to talk, what an interesting um, experience to come into illness with, a kind of awareness of disability, Mm. Because uh, there is, there is so much uh, in my in in the cancer group I run. Last night, people were really talking about that, the sense of disability and how that impacted them uh, being ill with cancer, and especially with treatment. Mm. And I wonder if you connected those two things as you were going through treatment. Well, I could say. I've definitely have thought about it, and I am also very aware that um, whatever way I might feel um, less able in, you know, while I'm going through chemo or whatever, I, I, um, you know, I'm st- I still have all of the ability to to do so much for myself. So sure. you know, I I have. Um, the ability to, uh, you know, of course, then there's the thing about allowing others to do for you. So there is that. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> that. Learning to allow help and to, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of be open to to that in both in, you know, in my heart and, and physically. But it, yeah, there it, it definitely a lot of my friends and people I've known over over time I I have just an inkling of insight but certainly not um, at the level of so many people I've known who've really gone out there and with so many uh, you know challenges in their lives uh, just been able to do it all and it's pretty amazing so it it almost sounds as if it may have influenced you slightly in the other direction that uh, you kept a perspective on what you did retain. Huh. Well, that's probably true. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I could be lying on the couch and feeling miserable and knowing it's hard to get up, 
but I also know I can. And um, so it's really about the choices that I make to to allow others to help me. And um, yeah, I feel like uh, it's it's definitely been an insight. I think it's it's funny because I realized that when you get a cancer diagnosis, um, there's this thing that I, I guess people have, uh, thought of as the cancer card, right? You know, like if you have this cancer card, you pretty much, you know, can say anything, do anything, get away with so much. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> it just seems somehow that's, you know, what you get. But, um, and I was realizing, I, I wrote about this to my friends. Um, I put up a um, site on Caring Bridge, which has been a way for me to stay in touch with so many of my friends and family through all of this. And uh, so I talked about the cancer card, you know, and I talked about how, you know, it's one thing, it kind of makes makes you giddy in a way, you know, where you can just sort of <laughs> feel like you can... Sudden uh, permission for what you've never done. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And then, you know, I really thought about it a lot. And I thought about how you know, there are so many life situations where um, in in the very moment, people are having all kinds of uh, struggles. People are having, you know, uh, and, you know, atrocious things going on. There's um, people who are living day in and day out with really um, difficult situations and one of the things that I realized is, yeah, here I've had, you know, this profound uh, diagnosis, stage four, right out of the gate. And yet my typical day-to-day, I could say, is pretty good, mm-hmm. you know? It's not like I'm having this horrendous time moment to moment. I go into my horrendous times, you know. Right. Uh, I have, I have, uh, you know, broken down the best of them. But it's, but really, in my day to day, in my moment to moment, I feel like I'm just um, really blessed. And so, you know, I, I told my friends, I almost feel like I should give up my cancer card, you know, because there's so many others who should have more of those permissions, you know. And at this, and then I thought, oh, gee, what am I doing giving that up? So, <laughs> so I, I, I have it tucked away in a little drawer. <laughs> well, but it's it, what you're saying is so interesting because you're kind of saying I'm not suffering enough to be cared for through my illness. Well, I, you know well, what I mean? I know you don't mean that by it, but there is, I have heard that with, with people. Do I really need the help or, you know? But, of course, you do much better. The fact that you've let people help you has probably um, improved the experience, yes? Or made it possible to have those days. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I feel like... um I, you know, the last year since the time I was diagnosed in uh, September and I went through surgery in October and I went through, um, I forget how long, I think it was basically 16 weeks of chemo weekly. And 
you know, yeah, I had people helping me and I had like an awesome group of friends and family who would, you know, come cross country or, you know, come, come to see me and be with us and help me and Haya, my wife, and, you know, and, and be there for us. So it's like the, what I got, those gifts of having my friends and family rally to be there for us and, and, and all that. But, you know, you have people coming from here and there, you know, I better let them help. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to be very disappointed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and was it at all difficult to, to, for you to surrender into that? Oh, no. I felt so cradled and embraced. I, I think I could speak for both Hi and I. We're, we're just like, you know, I was thinking about it recently, and I was thinking how that didn't just happen because I had, you know, this got cancer. Mm-hmm. It happened because over the years through my life, I've fostered these relationships, and we, we both have, and we've, you know, um, kept our friends close at heart, even if, you know, we, we moved from California across to uh, upstate New York and, uh, and, and sort of left, if you will, a, a real huge group and community, though those aren't the only place where our friends have gathered from, but it's like to... Um, To have people coming and to to have them be here and a part of us isn't just because of the cancer. It's because we've we have contained maintained and 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 fostered those relationships for such a long time. And then when hard stuff happens, people are there. Mm. You know, mm. that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Well, I also imagine. Um, I mean, I I know of course because we're close that you've witnessed people allowing themselves to be taken care of and Mm -hmm. I and I imagine that that also makes a difference that there's some kind of permission in having witnessed uh, the circumstance in others do you think so yeah you know it's I have witnessed that and I think um, perhaps what it's done is you know, I really see those individuals, whether they're still here with us or, or, or not, that they've actually have been mentors to me, you know, maybe not knowingly, mm. but... Um, That's an interesting know. way to put it, mm-hmm. that they would be mentors in, uh, in witnessing them go through what they went through. Is that well, what you mean? Yeah, well, you know, so many... Um, I, I've... I was, I'm going to use the word privilege. I feel privileged to have witnessed people in their passing. Um, I feel privileged to have been part of other people's journeys in their illnesses or, you know, uh, whatever their, their journey's been. And I feel like what I've learned from other people and how they handle difficult situations, um, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, 
It's like it's given me, uh, uh, to use a term from Ram Dost, grist for the mill. Mm. And that also means, and I'm going to, I want to start this and then pick it up after the break too. That also means you're a person who's geared to learning from your experience, would you say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so well. <laughs> what I wish I had the, the um, you know, the, the magic pill on that one. Were you always like that your whole life, someone who wanted to learn from what happened? Or did that come with these experiences of loss and difficulty? Well, I guess they go hand in hand, you know, it's like, I I didn't go out seeking these experiences, necessarily, but here they've been in my life's path. And, you know, I feel that if we're going to be the best of ourselves, then we need to be open to all that's in front of us. And, you know, so I feel like, um, from as a child, you know, I, I, um, I didn't have that, you know, kind of like thought in my head, mm-hmm. but I, um, it's interesting. I just was thinking about how when I was a kid, I, I must've been five or six years old and I have this image of me in the bathroom and I remember I would go into the bathroom. It's like a really like a little hideout for me. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I would close the door and I would spend a long time looking in the mirror and I would try to look past my eyes. I thought mm. if I could like gaze into the mirror and somehow look through my eyes to the other side, I might find me. And who knows where that kind of thing comes from, Mm -hmm. you know? And I remember after having done that at one point, um, again, I'm so young, so I don't know where the the language comes from or any of that, but it was sort of like, I remember saying to myself, um, I'm going to learn how to make the unconscious conscious. Amazing. So, yes, some nature, some nurture, some experience. And... uh, (laughs) When we come back, we're going to talk about this particular experience and and what you are, um, what's changing for you as as a result of it internally. Mm. Um, you know, there's there's what's happening, and then there's what you're experiencing, and I know that both are important. So when we come back, let's let's talk about that. Okay. Okay, we're going to take a break, and um, during the break. Please go and and get in touch with us in any way you'd like. All the social media, you can reach Bridget through me or at BridgetPerry.com, and we will be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. You can find me at Voice America at my website, www.weatheringgrief.com. Today, I am with Bridget Perry, my friend and a coach and blogger who's been living with ovarian cancer for the past year. And I, I just, um, because you were so, uh, you, did, you did say what treatments you had and all that, but you were so very positive, Bridget. <laughs> and, and I know that it was, not, it was not an easy thing to go through at all. Um, and I'm very intent always on on not making it seem like transformation is an easy thing. So, because um, it usually isn't, you know, right. we both know that. So I wondered if we could talk just a little more deeply about what it was what it was like to go through all that uh, physically, and how that intersects with a kind of you know sledgehammer to your emotional and spiritual self. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's uh, those, those really dramatic events in our lives that sort of throw us uh, for a loop and make room for new possibilities. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, no, I, I certainly um, don't feel like it's been uh, an easy ride by any means. Um, as with anybody going through some illness or uh, anything 
of that, you know, the same nature. It's it's a it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to wrap your head around. You know, sitting uh, with Haya in a doctor's office, and they say, "Well, stage four ovarian," and I'm mm-hmm. like, "What? <laughs> Who's yeah. he talking to?" Mm. You know, and um, and sort of the way that it's like it, it, you almost feel like separate. I felt separate from myself. I felt like I was almost listening to him talking, but wondering who he was talking to. (laughs) And, you know, um, and then just really trying to come through that shock, basically. And, um, And as time went on, you know, really getting that and and of course having moments of just outbursts of of tears and outbursts of of anger and you know um what does this mean and and you know probably the you know there's the good news and the bad news about the internet um you know the good news is you can find all kinds of information and the bad news is there's all kinds of information information (laughs) (laughs) so you know, it's like as with um, other parts of life, the good news is sometimes the same as the bad news. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, um, being pretty geeky and uh, technically, and being you know so pretty good at researching online and everything, I get on there and I find out. Well, so what is ovarian cancer and what does they mean by stage four? And then you start reading the statistics and the prognosis and, you know, for women my age and the way it occurs and all of that. And you go, oops, you know, um, okay, well, so of course, um, I can look back over this year and go, wow, I I'm here. I, I made a year, you know, and, um, and here on this side of a year, I go, okay, I'm here. And I've said it before, I, I don't know, you know, whether I have, uh, I'll be a statistical tale, as the doctor says, you know, those people who survive way out to make the statistics, uh, you know, go on and on. To, uh, to, to <laughs> create the far end, huh? <laughs> create the far end. And, you know, that, that well could be me. And the really scary part about this kind of diagnosis is that it could turn around and, you know, um, the, uh, there are many women who die from ovarian cancer primarily because it's, it's diagnosed so late in the stages. There's really not a lot of ways to discover ovarian cancer, um, in its earlier stages. And, you know, they say they're working on that, but, you know, when you <laughs> sort of like uh, four stages too late, uh, you know. Yes. And and it's interesting in my mind, too, because, of course, men have PSA tests uh, potentially regularly as a part of a regular uh, physical. Uh, I don't know the science on this, so this may be, you know, sort of out of the park, but... Um, it it does seem logical that if that's possible, there could be some kind of detection process. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's um, who knows. I mean, I, I feel for anybody who has any any kind of cancer going on sure. or any other Absolutely. thing. And there are definitely the the cancers who get all the you know 
attention. And um, I guess I, I just feel like yes, there there needs to be a lot more uh, a lot more research and a lot more effort. Um, and don't get me started on all the political stuff. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why not? <laughs> no, we don't need to go there. Um, yeah. You know, I had another uh, question too, uh, because my uh, my experience with people newly diagnosed is that one of the big difficulties is having to make a ton of decisions. Mm. Did you feel like you had to do that, or was it pretty straightforward what you knew was the best thing to to do? Uh, well, yeah, you know, there's there's um. It's pretty straightforward in terms of what tends to happen for women who are diagnosed with ovarian. It uh, sometimes varies in what order things happen and, you know, um, and all of that. But uh, from what I've learned and in my experience, you know, starts out with, um, for me, it was a huge surgery. It was a complete hysterectomy. Um, I have, I, my, I tried to entertain my friends on, uh, carrying bridge by having them guess how many staples covered my abdomen. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had 42, um, looked like a railroad track going from basically my, my chest down, uh, blow my, my belly button, if you will. And, and uh, so it's a it's a huge surgery, and they do what this lovely term called debulking, and that's when they go in and they discover while they're in there taking out all, all your parts, uh, you know they they find uh, in my case all the the lymph nodes that had been um, affected by the cancer, and and they take out the lymph nodes and they explore and make sure they debulk those out of there. So uh, you know the Coming home, I was uh, surprised that I was actually able to walk up the stairs and uh, be able to to get up and about. And they get you out of the hospital bed pretty quickly. So, yeah. You know. yeah. And it was only a short three weeks later that I started this long regime of weekly chemo um, where they, um, they actually use uh, this uh, carboplatin and taxol and... Uh, those are pretty hefty drugs. And mm-hmm. so when weekly you're being given these uh, drugs in their various doses, um, my body didn't have a chance to like catch up with itself sometimes. So when yeah. uh, my blood counts were plummeting, uh, right when they would start to, to come back up, the next, you know, chemo treatment, <laughs> you know, would knock them down. So there's a, a pretty big roller coaster through that whole time frame. And I went through chemo until the end of February of um, this year. And so good news is I've been uh, what they call uh, uh, cancer-free or no evidence of disease, NED, um, since that time. And uh, I'm, you know, really couldn't be happier about that. Absolutely. What I know from being in contact with you throughout this whole period is that, um, in a sense, you know, sometimes people just can't deal with their emotional, spiritual, the impact emotionally and spiritually while they're doing all that treatment. Mm -hmm. But my experience 
of you is that the two have kind of gone hand in hand. Hmm. Would that be a way to put it? And what do you, what do you, um, what made that possible if I'm right about that? Yeah, well, I definitely see that. I, I, I see it a couple things. One is the, the, one of the first things that I really thought about when I was trying to wrap my head around this was that, you know, when you hear in the news or the people who sort of stand out in uh, the world who have gone through something of this nature, people tend to, especially on TV programs, right? People tend to want to like figure out what they're going to do in the world while they have their time or, you know, Mm. that kind of thing. And I have to say, I think part of what really has buoyed me and has given me this um, uh, well-being is that I feel like I've lived that life really well. And mm-hmm. um, and I continue to live it, and I'll continue to, to, you know, to do so as long as I can. But when I, you know, I, I had an opportunity to to do the kinds of things that I think are really important. And I started a program called the City Project, where we traveled and went to support communities with disabilities. And I had an awesome group of people who come came along to, to make it possible. And, and together, we created this really beautiful thing. And so I felt like, you know, that's the kind, the nature of things that often people when once they are diagnosed or once they have some kind of really difficult time in their life, that transformation um, that they end up doing. But I felt like I feel really great. I got to do that already, you know. Ah. And um, but I think really the the struggles for me really had to do with um how I approach life and, (laughs) you know, trying to not make everything into something major. Uh, I'm really goal oriented, you know, Mm. I, I have a tendency to want to take something and really like make it something big and move it, you know, move through it with, uh, you know, bulldozers. And um, I, I have been going through a transformation of basically instead of pushing what I think of um, in in that more robust way, which has served me well, it's gotten me a lot of things in life, but that's not where I'm at right now. And I feel like I've actually been transitioning and, and driving more from the heart. Can you describe what that feels like inside driving more from the heart? I like the expression. Hmm. Um, I'm hearing that it means um, not, not, not driving to the goal in the same way, Uh, you know, but tell me more. Yeah, well... I guess the the thing is is that uh, having been such a goal oriented person, um, I coming from the heart is allowing myself to really trust in all of those other parts of me and in my higher being, if you will, um, 
in that I can take a step today and see what where that takes me rather than planning that step out and going in that direction and see what happens. Um, I've always been a planner. <laughs> I plan. Uh-huh. I'm really good at planning. And you know, when you're on this side of uh, diagnosis, planning just kind of crumbles. Um, mm. And so instead of feeling defeated and feeling like, oh, what do I do now? There's just, you know, um, the way I've operated in life isn't working. I've really, um, you know, I've, I've had several people helping me, but specifically certain ones who've, who've helped me to see that integrating my heart and my mind is really um, where it's at. I don't have to let go of those, the good planning and, you know, the parts of me that have, uh, always served me the roles I've played as an educator and, you know, and all, all, all the, the variety of hats that I've worn. I don't have to let go of all of those, but I definitely feel like I'm um, on a new journey. And so instead of feeling like I uh, have to push those away, I feel like they're becoming more integrated. And so today when I'm coming from the heart, um, it's, uh, well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to share something you, you shared with me, which is, it's like trying, you know, instead of trying to, um, just force something to happen, it's like trying things on, trying something on to see if it, if it fits and if it doesn't kind of flow in that direction, that's okay. I'm trying something else so that I, I feel like then when I come from the heart, I jump into that, that same river that feels like a class five, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, it is possible to flow on that river. Um, you know, it's, it, it doesn't have to be a, a struggle. <laughs> so. so here's what I'm getting from what you're saying that in a way it's a, it's a change in which is serving what all that good meaty skill you have is serving your heart's desire yeah well you know I how it feels yeah I mean I you know there's the part of me that's always been entrepreneurial and that goal-oriented and all of that I really get to like let her be and not have her dominate and mm-hmm. and actually to integrate my heart and spirit with my mind and it just feels like I'm more balanced definitely Mm. more balanced that's a great place to take our second break and uh, listeners out there please let me know what you're thinking I really love hearing from you get in touch with Bridget at BridgetPerry.com Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm here with Bridget Perry, coach, blogger who writes Living from the Heart, and my dear friend. You know, that paradox we're talking about of um, uh, whether we're goal-driven or whether we're living from the heart and kind of following our heart's desire, they both have direction don't they just they feel real different but they and and what i've noticed is um the way in which some people um after a big uh jolt in their lives um some people create something brand new and other people do what they were doing before in a brand new way right and I, I think that would apply to you. I, I wonder if we could start just by talking about um, what you have felt led to do now that you're not dealing with treatment anymore and, um, you know, now that you can think about what what satisfies your days. Yes, well... <laughs> you know, I, I've allowed myself to branch out some, which is, is great. And, and in allowing myself to let go of the, the older, no, the past roles, it's, if I'm finding that I'm integrating them into today. For example, I mentioned earlier, I, w- I used to be a wheelchair mechanic. I think it's really a trip that here in Ithaca, New York, is this group who is called Wonderful Wheelchairs, and they repair and maintain uh, wheelchairs um, for the community. We're all volunteers, and I ended up volunteering with them. Wow. So that and was I, kind of a return to something, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was sort of like felt like coming home. So I, I, I've totally... Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that and and um and I've also been um I I think integrating what's been happening for me um 
over the past year into the coaching that I've done. You know, I've, I, when I think about all of the various hats that I've worn over, over the years, an element of that has always been around coaching of one form or another, whether I'm coaching students in public schools, uh, whether I'm coaching their teachers um, in the use of assistive technologies and uh, all the various tools we have. Um, uh, and, and I've also uh, been a coach for individuals who are looking to figure out, like, you know, where they want to go next in their life, what transformation or challenge or what have you um, are they up against. And I think for me, what's integrated more into my uh, coaching world is that I'm definitely want to guide individuals and in, like their self leadership, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. their their ability to lead themselves and to be able to ch- change themselves from the inside out. I used to think it was important that people like make a plan, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, make your plan. Let's write that plan out and get it out, which is always, you know, tools of all kinds are really helpful in that way. But I find that the more powerful um, kinds of um, experiences with people is when through the coaching process that they are able to make these ch- changes from the inside and uh and then whatever way that steps out and the plans they make and the commitments they make to change and all of that will follow i'll tell you the word that's coming to my mind is uh earlier it was relaxed relaxation now it's trust Hmm. uh i feel as if there's some some trust in your own process that is maybe contributing to you trusting the process of others. Oh, yeah. That's a good insight. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That and it doesn't have to be such hard work, that it's more a matter of quietly listening or something of that sort. Well, and quiet is a big one. You know, I think I could speak for myself. Uh, you know, we have all these voices inside of us and the the chatter is, you know, there's a lot of competition with all those voices. Uh, something I've recognized lately um, is for me is to try to distinguish between the voices, mm-hmm. the voices of, you know, the little kid in me who's, you know, wanting all the attention or uh, the parts of me that's feeling, you know, angry or frustrated or whatever. And that voice of my higher self who is speaking to me all the time, but I sometimes can't quite hear her through the chatter. And so the quieting um, and whether, you know, if, if that can happen through a conversation and an exploration with someone um that's a, that's a great thing you know i i've had some pretty um awesome opportunities in my life uh to work with coaches um you know people who've been my coach 
And they are amazing mentors to me, people who've really helped me to figure out how to how to walk through my life, you know. And again, you know, yes, since the time I've been diagnosed, I've been working with coaches and I've done that also prior. So it's sort of, again, that um, whole notion that, you know, why do we wait? <laughs> why wait until mm-hmm. something, you know, comes along that is such a huge push off a cliff? Um, we are nat- nurturing ourselves and nurturing relationships um, all along. Then it'll be there as a, you know, uh, to catch us, you know. That I feel that's such a, a, a soothing um, message, especially since you're saying it having gone through this last year you've gone to gone through that in fact you know when uh when joanne was sick um my wife you know people people would say oh you can't prepare you know for grief you can't prepare for death you can't you know so totally untrue yeah (laughs) you know a hundred percent untrue of course you can and the idea that you're you're saying the fact that I can go through this in the way that I have rests on all the other things that I've attended to, the relationships, the learnings. And now I get to just count on that learning. Yes, and it doesn't go without saying how, um, wow, how blessed I am to be in such beautiful relationships you know my wife Haya and I have been together for almost 20 years we just got married last year in the midst of all of this and got got to (laughs) celebrate and be here but you know it's like I'm somebody in a relationship with someone who's also going to those deep places and also being able to really be you know uh, at the same place I am going in her, you know, we talk about, we have this parallel experience. We go to chemo. <laughs> we went to surgery. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. while she didn't, you know, get uh, uh, all the physical stuff done to her, she's been walking right by my side, having her own experiences. And then we, we share that and we mirror each other. And uh, so I, I get it that, um, I'm really blessed to have that relationship. And so, you know, I guess it's just another case in point where, you know, yeah, you can prepare if we are open to love, if we're open to uh, bringing in that, you know, allowing somebody in that deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, then when, you know, uh, stuff really uh, hits, um we have we have that that I can't say uh, any stronger how how important it is that we allow people in. Well, and that's kind of a it can be a bit of a balancing act because in order to uh, get there with her, you have to say uh, I'm not the only one, you know, having this experience. Right. Right, you, you know, you 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 can't make her secondary, or you won't meet as equals. 
And yet your body is the body going through it. So that can be a very tricky balance. It can. And I also, though it's nothing of the same level, uh, having been um, walking through with people through um, their death and dying, um, you know, here is here it is where it's like somebody who's so deeply in my heart. I've I only have a fraction of an experience of what she must be going through. Um, but I really get that. I keep that really um, as much in my consciousness as I can as we go through our day to day. It's like, wow, that must that must really suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a, there's a sort of lack of, of comparison in what you're saying. We're just all having our experiences, and when we can meet in them, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And it sounds as if you're saying that you and she meet in them frequently. Yes, we do. (laughs) I think sometimes a little too frequent or or a little, you know, we were laughing the other day, like, where we could be sitting watching the TV show, and the show, there's somebody who's like, I don't know, like... um, in a bed, dying, and I just blurt out as if it's like past the the, the butter, you know. I want to die at home. And, you know, just, well, why like, wait to say it, huh? I mean, it's just like, okay, that's where we go sometimes. We, just, we thought we were doing escape. Yeah, we thought we were just watching a sitcom, but no. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> But yeah. but we're laughing. There's a delight in that, isn't there? Yeah. Just, well. <laughs> just a kind of life being a come-as-you-are party? Yeah, there you go. We're your pajamas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I feel what I want to do before our time ends, which is very shortly, is just put in a... a it's, it's a paradoxical thing, right? You're living from the heart. You don't want to be goal-driven. And yet I'm also so much thinking of what value working with you would be. Hmm. And uh, maybe because of that. But, you know, that's, that's uh, you've been kind of um, just being receptive, right? So you go on being receptive, and I'm going to say... Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you want a coach who's coming from her heart, you're you're a very good uh, person to be in contact with. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm taking that in. <laughs> <laughs> By all means, I hope you are. So, if you could magically change one thing for everyone who has a life-limiting diagnosis, do you know what it might be? Hmm. You know, I, I go on uh, online and there's a, <clears throat> um, a group who, who, a board that posts things, you know, women with ovarian cancer who post things all the time. And um, the thing that draws me, that, that tugs at my heart is there's so much fear and while I can't claim that I have none, uh, I feel like if 
there was only a way that somebody could get it that in this very moment, are we okay in this very moment? And there's going to be people who aren't. And I get that. And it very well could be me at some point in time. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think about um, if I'm just present right here and I recognize I'm, in a, you know, I, I, even if there's pain, which I, I don't have in the moment, but, yeah. you know, sort of a, a, Just a way through, huh? A way through yeah. to being in the moment and um, to and really try to draw on that. That's a beautiful ending. Please find Bridget at BridgetPerry.com. Thanks so much for being here. And next week, I'll be welcoming Kylie Hanish, who with her husband, Sean, are creators of the film Return to Zero, starring Minnie Driver and Paul Edelstein, based on their personal experience with their stillborn son. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.